0: You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes as Senior Minister Adam Hale continues our In the Meantime sermon series. Thank you for listening, and as always, we hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Have a wonderful week. It oh, is good to see all of you here this morning. Glad that you're here. We're continuing in our series In the Meantime. And- The idea behind this entire discussion that we've been having over the last several weeks is simply one question. And the question is is this. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when when you're stuck? What do you do when there's a set of circumstances that life has thrown you in and things just aren't going to change? Things are the way they are. and, and it just It's the way that it is. What do you do when you get that report from the doctor and it's not good news, you know, it's not going to kill you, but it's going to change the way you live life. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Maybe it's, it's relational. Maybe it's professional. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's, it's you know, your kids. You know, your kids haven't grown up to be what you wanted them to be and, and life just hasn't paved out the way that you thought that it should. What do you do when you find yourself in a in the meantime set of circumstances and we say that we've been saying that when we find ourselves in these kind of parenthetical circumstances that that when we find ourselves in these chapters of life that it's easy to come to a couple of conclusions it's easy to start believing some lies and and we need to realize it that they are just that they are lies but it's easy to begin to think that well I'll never be happy again and we start to think about like you know maybe when we were in high school and mom and dad paid for everything and and life was great right and and we start to think this is as good as it's going to get it'll never be that good anymore I'll never be happy again. And then we from there we proceed to begin to think that well nothing good can come from this. If I just knew that something good could come from this I would be I'd be okay. But Nothing good will come from this. And you hear people all the time, and they tell you, just, just hang in there. So, something's good on the other side. And you, and you say, no, 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 you don't, you don't realize, you don't understand, you don't know my story. My story's different than everybody else's. My, my situation is so much worse. Nothing good will come from this. And because we believe that we'll never be happy again, and we believe that nothing good can come from this, we, get, we draw the third conclusion, which is this, is that there's no point in going on. There's no point in continuing to be faithful in my marriage. There's no point to continue to be honest in my finances. There's no point in in continuing to be obedient to God. There's just no point in doing any of this because I'll never be happy again. And nothing good can come from this. And so we're, we're reminded last week that in the midst of all of those things, in the midst of all the turmoil, the conflict, In the midst of everything going wrong, that oftentimes God is in the midst of those things trying to to bring something good about. And we oftentimes, what we were reminded of last week is that when we focus on everything that is going wrong, we lose sight of what God is making right. And so that's what this whole series has has been about. And today, as we continue, I want to just remind you of something that I've said every single week. Uh, of this series, and it's so important, and it's this, that the people who brought us the New Testament, the people who brought us the narratives of Jesus, the people who, who brought us the entirety of the Scriptures, these were men and women who were not unfamiliar with adversity all right we i I know i've said that every week but we need to understand this this was these were not men and women whose life was just wrinkle free and life was good to them and life was easy for them these were men and women who who faced adversity and and when you look at some of their stories their whole life just seems to be one unending sequence of bad events of things that we would never want in our modern context and yet for them there was no conflict there was no contradiction because they didn't wrestle with the, what we wrestle with. We wrestle with, you know, we, we think there's a good God, so good things should happen to us, right? If there's a good God, there should be good things. But they didn't wrestle with that. They didn't wrestle with that because they saw bad things that happen. And when we see bad things happen, we say, well, if there's a good God, then these bad things shouldn't happen, so there must not be a good God. But they didn't wrestle with that. They, they somehow understood that even though they were faced with all of this adversity. They were faced with all of this conflict that God had not abandoned them and that God was not apathetic with them, that God had not lost sight of them. They understood that in the meantime, God was still working through them. And so there was not this conflict and this contradiction for them. And so today, as we, as we get close to the end of this series, we're going to wrap this series up next week. Um, I just want to focus, I want to talk about one word that the New Testament authors, and Jesus in particular, emphasized over and over and over again, and the word is this, the word is believe. That there's something very specific that we are supposed to believe. And the reason that we're commanded to believe is because intuitively, we don't believe, or we wouldn't believe this, what we're going to talk about. And the reason we're commanded to believe what we're going to talk about today is because our natural instinct, our natural inclination is to in fact do just the opposite of what, of what we're going to be told. And so beginning with Jesus and, and the apostles and over and over and over again, when we face adversity, when we're in a set of circumstances and it seems like this is just going to be our new reality, it's, it's not going to change, it's not going to be what we wanted it to be, we are, there is, there's something very specific that we are to embrace and to believe. Now, there's several places in the New Testament where we find this, but I'm going to go to to James chapter 1, because uh, James James gives us some credibility. Um, It's important when we look at the authors of the New Testament, it's one thing for me to say something, it's another thing for somebody, an author of the New Testament to say something, so that gives them credibility. And so, so I want to go to James because James has some credibility because James has a very famous brother. All right. Anybody know, remember who James's very famous brother is? Jesus. Alright. So some of you, some of you read your Bible. So good. Um, James. James, the half brother of Jesus, says this thing, and and I'm just going to tell you up front, I would never say this to you. In fact, Jesus said some things that I would never say to you. Jesus said, Don't worry. I would never tell you to worry because to, to not worry because you would come to me and you tell me your story and you tell me your situation and I'd say oh yeah you, you better worry about that. You like you better you better figure out how you're going to get that under control like that would keep me up at night. So so you should worry about that. Jesus had the audacity to say no don't worry about tomorrow let tomorrow take care of itself. Easy for him to say, right? But James says says something and and I just I'm going to tell you this is James saying this not Adam, so if you have a problem with, with it, you can take it up with him when you get to heaven. But this is James that says this. And in James chapter 1, here's what we read. It says, James, a servant of God. All right, we can stop right there for just a second. We're six, five, six words into it. We're okay with this, right? Like we could even substitute our name in there. Adam, Mike, a servant of God. Uh, we're, we're good with that. But then he goes on he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He refers to his brother as Lord. Now, this is, this is bonus. This is extra for you. I'm not charging you anything for this. Uh, but if we believe anything about Jesus, we should believe that he's the Son of God. And for no other reason than this right here, that James, his brother, believed that. Because how many of you have a brother or a sister? Like most of us, right? What would it take for them to do to convince us that they were the Son of God? Like, like Luann what would it take for Craig to convince you that he was the Son of God? A lot, right? Like, more than he's probably possible. And, Craig, the same is probably true, right? Like It would take a lot, right? We're, there's nobody believing that any of us are the sons or, or daughters of God because of our siblings' testimony. In fact, probably just the opposite. They are like, You're, my sister would tell you that, her little brother is the, is the spawn of Satan. Like So like that's what my sister's saying about me. So if, if for no other reason we should believe that Jesus is who he said he was because of his brother's testimony. But then he goes on, and this is where he gives us the hard part. He says this, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever. And notice he doesn't qualify this. He doesn't, he doesn't qualify it. He says, whenever. You face trials of many kinds. And that's when you want to go, okay, this, you, you don't have to say anything else because I'm not doing that. Like that's silly, that's stupid. I'm, you want me to be happy when bad things happen to me? Like you want me to embrace that and be happy about it? No, 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 that, that's silly, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. But remember, this is James talking. This is not Adam talking. This is James. But there's this one little Greek word here. And what's so interesting is basically James is just saying, wait, 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 before you hit the panic button, before you hit the eject button, before you hit the the give up on God button, I just want you to take a moment and stop and think and ask yourself if God is trying to do something good in the midst of all of this. If God is actually not trying to do something for your benefit in the midst of all of this, and and I know our our natural inclination is to say, no, no, what what we're going through has been so bad, it's been so painful, I I would never want to go through it again. There cannot be anything good that comes from this. And yet James says, just stop for a minute and consider it pure joy whenever you face any kinds." of of trials. And so again, I would never tell you this. Adam would never tell you to consider it pure joy. But this is James, and then he co- and then he continues and he says because you know, or actually it's a participle it's knowing that, knowing that the testing of your faith. And we have to hit the pause button right there because this is a this is an important sentence for us because James affirms what we suspect that that whenever you hit a bump in life, that whenever you hit a hit a snag in the road, that whenever things the bottom just falls out and, and life just doesn't go our way, it confirms what we suspect that this puts our faith on trial. That trials put our faith on trial, and trials actually do do more than that. Just that they don't just put our faith on trial; they put. God on trial. Think about this. The trials that you go through in life, they put God on trial because we're going through life and we're doing the best that we can. And then something bad happens and and maybe something catastrophic happens. And and we go, really? Like, I thought I believed. I thought that I I trusted God. I thought that I, I had faith in God. But I'm not so sure because of this, because of this in the meantime set of circumstances, I'm not so sure if I believe what I once believed. And so trials put our faith in God on trial. And so James acknowledges this when he says, because the testing of your faith, that every set of circumstances, that, that every negative thing that happens in your life, that every uh, bump in the road, that every piece of adversity is a test of your faith. Essentially, to, to just sum it up, he says that trials test our confidence in God. Right? Trials test our confidence in, in God. And, I'm, and I'll tell you, I'm glad that James added this because it lets us know that he knows what we're thinking. And so he continues with this, uh, that trials test our confidence in God, and then he continues, he says, you know, or knowing that the testing of your faith, and then he points us in a direction that's uncomfortable, but it's, it's uncomfortable, but somehow we know it's true, that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Trials produce perseverance persevering faith that the, the his point in all of this is that trials produce persevering faith and when you read the new testament especially the teachings of jesus here's what you discover if, if jesus spoke on behalf of god if paul spoke on behalf of god if the the rest of the disciples spoke on behalf if the old testament speaks on behalf of god here's what it seems to to show us that god is honored and that god is most glorified by persevering faith by persevering faith, God is most honored by persevering faith. Now, now here's the here's the deal: faith that always gets a yes from God, no one is impressed by that. No one is impressed by faith that always gets a yes from God because actually that's hocus pocus, that that's magic, that's prosperity preaching. If if every time you ask God for something you get a yes, well well that in, that faith it impresses nobody. What impresses you the most, and what impresses me the most, and what impresses other people the most, is faith that endures. Faith that gets a no from God and yet still believes. Faith that that continues to serve anyway, even though they had to go through an in the meantime set of circumstances. It's not the faith that always gets a yes. It's that I prayed on Thursday and by Friday everything was better. Or I lost my job on Monday and on Wednesday I got a better job. You know, that, that faith doesn't impress anybody because here's what we do. When we hear that, we go, okay, what would you do? If, if you got a better job on Wednesday after you lost your job, what did you do? Because I want to know what the formula is. I want to know what the secret is. So let me in on on the formula. And we're looking for for an X, Y, and Z. We're looking for that silver bullet that's going to magically make all of our problems go away. And here's the thing, that faith doesn't operate like that. And we know this to be true. Because all of us have lived long enough, all of us have gone through something at one time or another to know that faith just doesn't operate like that. And so when, when we're constantly looking for that silver bullet What we're looking for is we're looking for a formula, we're looking for a secret. What we're not looking for is is God. And what we're not looking for is how God can use our circumstances. What we're impressed by is the person that believes anyway. It's the person that that trusts anyway. It's the person that perseveres anyway. And throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, God is honored by persevering faith. And this is why James is, is, he's just kind of like, okay, look, when the bottom falls out, when things are tough, when things are going into that nosedive, before you hit the eject button, before you quit praying, before you give up on God, if you could just stop and ask the question, what is God up to? What is God up to? If you would just stop in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the uncertainty, would you just stop and ask, okay, God, what are you up to? And the good news for us is that James answers that question. What, what is God up to? You want to know? Well, James answers the question for us because James tells us. he says He says that God is up to developing persevering faith. That's what God is up to. When we're faced with adversity, God is up to developing persevering faith. And here's the thing. You and I, we don't want persevering faith. We don't want persevering faith because... The only way to, to get persevering faith is to endure some trials, to endure some heartache, to, to push through those in the meantime set of circumstances. And let's just be real honest. We would like things to be a little easier than that, wouldn't we? We would like things to be a little more comfortable than that. I make no bones about it. I would like for things to be easier. I would like for things to be, to be cleaner and neater. And, and I would like to maintain some form of sanity. We don't like these, these trials because they're not, they're not easy. They're painful in fact. They hurt. They cause a lot of problems for us. And so we don't like we don't want persevering faith. But persevering faith is what is most honoring to God. Trials produce persevering faith. And so then James he 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 tells us that he leads us all to that and then he gets to this first imperative. And this is the kind of the thing that he wants us to take away that, as it relates to us somehow, that this as seeing bad things as good things. He says, "Let perseverance." And I, I, I love how he phrases this. I don't like to do it, but I love how he phrases it. He says, "Let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish." It's work. In other words, that God is at work in you, and you can hit the eject button, you can can hit the divorce button, you can hit the bankruptcy button, you can hit the, the run button, you can hit any of the buttons that you want to hit. And James just says, no, 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 wait. God is up to something. God is in the process of building in you a kind of faith that honors Him most. So let faith, or let endurance, let perseverance finish its work. And there's a sense in which we think about whatever the the greatest tension that that is going on in our life right now. Maybe it's it's, uh, your kids, or maybe it's your marriage, or maybe it's financially, or it's professionally, or it's with your boss, it's with your children, your grandchildren, it could be your health. Whatever it is, here's my point, listen to me on this, that the tension, your greatest tension right now in your life can be the focal point of God's activity in your life. If you would just choose to trust him. That's what James is saying, that, that this thing in your life that you wouldn't wish on anybody else, this thing in your life that you would never want to go back to, this thing in your life could be the focal point of God's activity in your life if you will allow it to be, but if you will allow it to be by allowing perseverance to finish its work. Now, when we become Christians, when we give our lives over to Christians, we, they talk about that you, you know, you're a newborn Christian, you're, you're kind of an infant, and there's a maturing process that takes place. And that's the end goal for all of us, right? To be a mature Christian. Well, how do we become a mature Christian? It's this right here. It's that you allow perseverance to finish its work. What else you got? I mean, what else could it be? This is how we become a mature Christian. You say, well, what if I memorize, if I memorize a bunch of scriptures? Well, good, that'll be great and it'll make you smart, but it won't make you mature. You say, well, well okay, well, what if, I, what if I keep all the commandments, and I obey all the rules, and I, and I do everything just to the letter of the law, just like you're supposed to? Well, great. If you could do that, that would be great. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't do it, but that would be great if you did, but guess what? That still doesn't make you mature. It makes you obedient, but it does not make you mature, if you want to be a mature Christian, you have to let perseverance finish its work. So when the trials and the, and the tragedies, and look, we all have them. We all have them. And, I, and I'm not trying to diminish any, anything that you've gone through. We all have them. But when we have them, we have to let perseverance finish its work. If you don't allow perseverance to, to complete its work, you'll never be complete. If you don't allow perseverance to mature you, you'll never be mature. You'll be lacking something. And this is what James is telling us. And Jesus taught us this as well. And the truth is, and let's just be honest and, and I mean, common sense kind of argues for this there's something about perseverance that makes us deeper. There's something about perseverance that makes us stronger. There's something about perseverance that makes our story more attractive to other people. There's something about perseverance that makes our story more inspiring to other people, that want to draw other people in to into Jesus. There's something about that that makes us more attractive. And I want to just offer this to you, and, and, and this will be maybe hard for some of you to take, especially if you grew up in the church, because, because in the church, if you, when, when you grow up in the church, you're expected to act a certain way, you're expected to, to talk a certain way, you're expected to do things a certain way, and we always kind of measure things based on behavior. And so let me just offer this to you and point out a truth to you that spiritual maturity is always measured in terms of persevering faith, not in perfect behavior. All right. We oftentimes get those things confused. We think if I just act a certain way, if I just do certain things, then I'll be a mature Christian. And I'm just telling you, that's not that's not how it works. That's not true. Sp- uh, spiritual maturity is always measured in persevering faith in the faith that keeps on going anyway, in spite of all the things that have happened to us not in perfect behavior we can we can be the the most perfect christian and never do anything wrong and not be a mature christian in fact i'll tell you that i know several people like that and 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 i'll just let me let me let me illustrate it this way have you ever met a christian that was just too good they were they were so good Like they they never did anything wrong, they never they never said anything bad. You know, even when they stepped on that Lego in the middle of the night, they didn't they they were like, oh well that hurt. And and you're just like, really? (laughs) It it, it's kind of sickening to you, isn't it? Because you, you look at them and you're like, Really? You don't you don't ever? You you've never said you've you've never done really? And and it's like we respect the, the morality and we appreciate the purity and all of that kind of stuff, but, but it doesn't inspire us. In fact, what we do is we kind of, we, we bring all our friends over and we're like, come here, come here, look, look, look. And we look at them like there's some exhibit in the zoo. We look at them like they're that rare albino alligator, right? Because we don't know what to do with them. And they don't inspire us. But then you hear the story of of a, of a christian who's a little rougher around the edges they didn't grow up in the church and they don't talk they don't always use sunday school language and they don't tell sunday school stories and they talk about the things that they went through and they talk about it in terms of like I, I would never want to go back to that but what i learned through that or i would never want anybody else to have to go through this but how i saw god move in my life and their story is inspiring to us it, it it, it, it awes us, and I'm telling you, we're not, we're not in, um, impressed by their, by their biblical knowledge, although they may be biblical scholars, but that's not what impresses us the most. We're not impressed by, by how good they've been. What impresses us the most is how stinking deep their confidence in God is that they were able to go through something, that they were able to, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And maybe God didn't just let them walk through the valley. Maybe God made them camp out there for a while. Maybe God made them camp there for, for a couple of days or weeks or months or, or years or decades even. And they came out on the other side of that and they have this so so deep confidence in God. That's what inspires us. That's what what draws us in. That's the kind of people that we want to be around because we want to know that it's possible to go through something that's terrible, that's horrific, that that we wouldn't wish on anybody else and still come out on the other side believing. That's what we all want, right? Right? You know why those people impress us while we're drawn to those people because they're mature christians you know what they did they allowed perseverance to finish its work they were obedient you know they might be obedient and they might have learned the scripture but they got real maturity they are complete in fact the word actually means perfect they have been perfected and they've not been perfected because they acted perfect or they said all of the right words or, the, or the, they gave so much of their money to the church. That, that's not why they've been perfected. They've been perfected because in the valley of the shadow of death, they didn't hit the eject button. They didn't hit the give up button. They said, God, I'm going to trust you anyway. And, 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 and God, whatever, whatever you're going to do in this. I don't know how long you're going to make me stay here. I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know how bad this is going to hurt. But whatever it is that you're going to do in this, God, I'm trusting you. You know what we say when we see people like that? We say, I want to be like them. I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of confidence in God. But the only way to get that is to let endurance finish its work. Now James is a realist and he knows what we're thinking because he knows we're like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Let's talk about something different, right? Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about tithing because we'd much rather talk about tithing than to talk about about being joyful in the midst of bad circumstances. And James says, I know. I know. But that God that you're talking about, the God that just blesses everybody and nothing bad ever happens, I don't know what God that is because that's not the God that, that... that I serve, because the God that I serve, there are bad things that happen to good people. And so you need, to, you need to understand, you need to let perseverance finish its work. And so James knows all the frustrations that we have, and so here's what he does next. And what he says is so practical. He says, if any of you, which in reality is going to be all of us, if any of you lacks wisdom in the midst of that, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Don't miss what he's saying here and don't, don't misunderstand what he's saying here because there have been a lot of preachers on TV especially that, that only read part of that verse and they say if, they say if you uh, ask God who gives generously to all, he, he will give to all without finding fault, right? That's what we hear a lot. God, God will give generously whatever you ask for. And I was like, well, I'd like a new boat and God, so God will give me gener- generously a new boat, right? No, that's not what James is saying here. James says if you lack wisdom, then ask God for wisdom ask God to give you generously this wisdom and and here's what we need to understand that wisdom in this in this context is just the ability to see the broader picture to be able to see the bigger picture wisdom is simply the ability to see current circumstances within a broader picture it's the ability to to zoom out and get the 30,000 foot view and like so we all understand this as as parents because if you have if you have kids and they've been in middle school especially girls in middle school they come home from from school one day and they're all upset because you know their best friend doesn't like them anymore and they had a fight and and now they're worst enemies and and they're all torn up over this and it's it's just drama whatever it's it's you know you all know the middle school girl drama that I'm talking about and because you're a good parent you 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 pat them on the shoulder and you tell them everything'll be all right honey i i love you everything will be fine you'll be friends in a few days it'll 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 be okay because you're a good parent that's what you do but then when they turn around and they walk off you go <laughs> i wish that was the only problem i had to worry about really like like because we understand that middle school drama in the midst of the big picture is not that big of a is not that big of a deal but in their world because they don't have the context to see the bigger picture it's the end of their world right and so so, wisdom is simply saying, look, God, I need a bigger context. I need a broader context. And I'm, ask- I'm not asking you to change my circumstances. I'm just asking you to help me see the bigger picture. Because I bet if I saw the way that you saw. God, I bet if I saw this situation the way that you saw this situation, I would, I would see it differently. God, I bet if I saw my husband the way that you saw my husband. Or if I saw my wife the way that you saw my wife, I would see them differently. So wisdom is simply asking God to give us the bigger picture. And so I'll tell you, this is my prayer, honestly, is that God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to see as you see. Give me wisdom to see the people that you've called me to be involved with. Give me the the wisdom to see them like you see them. Give me the the wisdom to see this set of circumstances the way that you see it. And And that's difficult to do, and it's frustrating because oftentimes we don't see the bigger picture but he's not done. James says, James says, you give, you ask God for wisdom. You, you're in, count it, count it joy. Count it joy when you face trials, and, and when you do that, if you lack wisdom, ask God for wisdom, but he's not done. He's, there's a but. There's always a but in there. He says, but, but when you ask for wisdom, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. When you, when, when you ask God, God, this took me by surprise. I don't, I don't like this. I don't see any way forward. I don't see any way out. God, help me to to see things in the bigger context. Give me the bigger the bigger picture. He says, when you ask that, you got to believe. You cannot doubt that God will not give you the wisdom that you need. He says, if you ask that and you and you doubt, he says that person should expect to not receive anything. He said, Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. He says, You can't doubt. You can't take your eyes off the fact that there's a faithful God who loves you and is up to something. So don't doubt. Because, again, the person that doubts, he says, that person should not expect to receive anything. Now, does that mean that God will never bless that person? No. Let's, again, keep it in the context of what we're reading here. That person will not receive the wisdom to see the bigger picture to see the broader context. So, in in their minds, this will be the worst thing that ever happened to them. There is no no way out. This will lead them to believe those three lies that we've been talking about, that that you'll never be happy again, that nothing good can come from this and that there's no point in going on because they doubt when they ask God for wisdom. And James just says, James just says, just look, when everything is going bad and everything is going haywire, Don't assume the worst. Don't assume that God has abandoned you and that God doesn't care for you, that God hasn't kept good records on you, that God doesn't see how good you're being. Don't assume any of that. Instead, change your way of thinking and consider that there's something good that could come from this. Because this is a test of your faith. And the only way to build enduring faith is the only way that you build a muscle, that you stretch it and, and you rest it and you stretch it and you rest it and you work it out. And and you, you exercise it, and, and right when, when you do that, your muscles grow. And faith is no different. The only way that we ever exercise our faith is to go through some trials. And it's not fun. But, and it's not easy. But nowhere does God ever promise us that it'll be fun and easy. What God promises us is that He won't give up on us that He won't leave us, that He won't abandon us, that He will be there to give us the wisdom that we need to see things in a bigger picture. And so the bottom line, or the shorter version of this is basically, for this message is this, is that you endure to mature. You endure whatever it is you're going through to mature, to be a mature Christian. That's what the Bible teaches us, that you endure to mature. So as we wrap up this week, and here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to say a prayer every day this week as we, as we move into the final part of our series next week. And the prayer is simply this. Heavenly Father, I believe that you will use this until you choose to remove this. Heavenly Father, use this until you choose to remove this. My friends think I'm crazy. My, my, my spouse thinks I'm going nuts. Everybody around me thinks that I should just give up. But God, I believe that you will use this until you choose to remove this. And so give me the wisdom to see the big picture. Give me the wisdom to see as you see. And I just want to suggest this, and this is just me, but I just want to suggest this, that as you pray that, pray it out loud. Say it out loud because there's something about vocalizing our thoughts before God. There's something about just saying it out loud that, that gives us the confidence that we, to, that we need to know that God will, will follow through on His end. And so the prayer is simple. God, Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe you. I believe. And so I believe that you will will use this circumstance, this set of circumstances, this in the meantime moment, until you choose to remove it. So God, give me the wisdom, give me the strength, give give me the courage, the boldness to see everything like you see it. And when you do that, When you do that, that's your way of choosing to allow perseverance to finish its work. It's how God builds in you the kind of confidence that is so awe-inspiring that it draws people around us in to know Jesus. Because that's what we want, right? We want other people to come to know Jesus. And we want them to come to know Jesus because of how they see us live our lives. And so you you want deep confidence in God? Stick it out. Persevere. Don't give up. Endure to mature. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And we are so thankful for for your scriptures, even though, Father, there's some things in there that are difficult to follow through on. Father, it's difficult. We know it's difficult to to just want to consider it joy when we go through tough times. And so, Father, when we're in those set of circumstances, maybe, maybe there's people here this morning in those circumstances right now. Father, would you, would you give us the wisdom to see the bigger picture? Would you grant us the wisdom to see the bigger picture so that our confidence and our faith in you might, might grow, that it might endure? Father, help us to not hit the eject button, the run button, the, w- the whatever button. Help us to stay rooted And our faith in You. So that we might draw others to You. Father, give us the wisdom to see the bigger picture. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.